want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read that story about the Apostle Paul and the Lord directing his steps. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracea, and the next day to Neapolis. I want to bring a message to you this morning on reaching the right destination. Reaching the right destination, how crucial that is. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for each student here this morning. Thank you for these uh, teachers, faculty, and staff who have given their lives to instructing them, have dedicated their lives to investing in the next generation. And Lord, I'm thankful for so many students here. Many of them already have your plan for their life. They believe they know where to go and what to do, and they're headed that way. Others, Lord, are in that situation that I was when that pastor came from the Portland area to my Bible college and challenged us. And Lord, that was the very thing I needed. I needed somebody to present a need and point me in a direction to give me to narrow the field down. And I'm thankful you did that. And now, Lord, looking back, I realize that was part of your great plan. I pray, Lord, that history would be repeated in these couple of days, that you would work in the heart of some young man, some young couple to come to the Northwest as a result of these days. Brother Fountain and I are here giving our time to this because we have a burden for it. We believe in it. We're so thankful for the welcome to come. Pray you'd use these days. Make it fruitful, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. September 1st, 1983, Korean Airlines Flight 007 from Anchorage to Seoul, Korea, was shot down over the Soviet Union island there right off the coast and plunged from 35,000 feet into the icy waters off of Russia by the Soviet fighter jets firing missiles to bring them down. The problem was is that they had veered off of course, and their flight was right around the same time as a U.S. military intelligence flight. The Soviets mistook them for that, followed them, and fired several warning shots that the commercial airline pilot probably did not see, and then they took it down with missiles. 269 souls all aboard perished that day because they were off course on the way to their destination. Not making the needed course corrections along the way resulted in tragedy. I want to talk to you about reaching the right destination today. Life is filled with twists and turns and unexpected changes. All along the way, we need to make course corrections in order to reach the right destination. It's true that you can never deliver the gospel to the wrong address and how thankful we are for that. But it's also true that God has a specific will for each one of our lives. He uses our personalities, 
our gifts, our abilities, our education, our experience, our background, our family structure, and a host of other factors to craft his will for our lives. He not only considers those of us who are going into the ministry, but he also factors in those who are on the receiving end, the location, the people, the culture, etc. And in God's infinite wisdom, the Lord knows how there is a place that is best suited for you to go and to serve him. In a lifetime of ministry, you're going to need to make course corrections all along the way. When before you drive, you kind of just picture getting in behind the wheel and doing this. But after you've driven, you know that constantly you're doing this all the time for, for changes in the road, for different factors. You're, you're always, even if you're on a straight road, your, your hands are never the same. You're always having to make those little tweaks, those little adjustments in order to stay uh, between the lines. And I want to give you today three practices that will help you to end up at the right destination. We'd love it if it was the Northwest because we need help, a lot of help. But you've got to find what God would want you to do with your life. First of all, you need to stay focused. Stay focused. Uh, the Apostle Paul had gone throughout Phrygia. He had essayed to go to Bithynia. And he immediately endeavored to go to Macedonia. And we see there that he was focused on getting to his destination to preach the gospel. When something didn't work out, he didn't lose focus. He stayed on task. And by the way, he preached the gospel all along the way as he was endeavoring to get to that perfect place that God would have him to go. And, and uh, uh, I want you to understand you've got to stay focused. I, I know this week uh, you're focused on one thing, getting through those finals and getting home for Christmas. Amen? All right. And that's great. And, and so it is in the ministry. You've got to stay focused on whatever God would have you to do. You need to focus on the Lord. You will never get past the need, none of us will, to meet with the Lord daily. You've got to do that. I've been in ministry 31 years now, and I still need to do that. I needed to do that in Bible college. I needed to do that prior to the Lord calling me to preach as a young Christian. We never get past that need to meet with the Lord daily. Meet him in his word and meet him in prayer. And, and uh, I, I loved uh, when I went to college, the president always opened up the week on meeting with God. He had two messages. The first one was on the Word of God. The second one was on prayer. And, uh, and, and it's easy to say, well, I've got I've to read my Bible. I've got to pray. Yes, but if you're not careful, you can get into a checklist mentality. But meeting with God, that's the more specific thing we need to do. When you walk away from that time, you need to know that God met with you and spoke to your heart. Uh, Focus on the Lord. Uh, focus on walking with him throughout the day. There's so many distractions. And, and uh, I tell you what, we live in the information age now. Uh, this was a challenge for us, us guys who are a little bit older. I know you kids grew up with a phone in your, in your crib, I think. Uh, but uh, I didn't even have a cell phone. Remember the days we had to carry quarters with you and stop and find a, find a, a phone booth? And some kids don't know what a phone booth is. It's just technology is amazingly uh, advancing, and, and this is a blessing in many ways so you can stay connected throughout the day, but also one of the dangers of this is it's very distracting, very distracting. 
And you've got a purpose to focus on the task at hand. Focus on walking with the Lord throughout the day. And then learn to listen to that still, small voice. When the Lord wanted Elijah's attention, he sent the wind. And the Lord wasn't in the wind. And he sent the fire. And the Lord wasn't in the fire. And he sent the earthquake. And the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then a still, small voice. So we've got to focus on the Lord and listen to that still, small voice. He may speak to you in that voice today about considering the Northwest to go and plant a church or be involved in ministry up there. Then while you're in school and throughout your ministry, focus on your family. Your family is your ministry. They are your first priority. They are your most important church members. Wives and children are the unsung heroes of ministry. All of the sacrifices, all of the love, all of the standing behind the the dad and the husband as he leads in ministry. When all others leave you, they will stick with you. Stay with your family and focus on them throughout your time. Spend time with them and develop them while God is developing you. I was thrilled talking to Brother Fountain and getting ready for this trip, talking about bringing his, his boy with him. His little eight-year-old guy, Micah, is here with him this week. That, that was great, brother. I'm so glad that you took that time. Bring your boy along there, spending time in the room together and doing things. Micah's over in the school today with his own age group. And those are the kind of things that make such a difference in the lives of your children when they understand that they're not forgotten, they're not left behind as you go forward in ministry. And then focus on your field, not only the Lord and your family, but on your field. God will refine his will in your heart one step at a time. Light obeyed brings more light. And so as you follow that step, you go through that open door, then there will be another open door beyond beyond that. But God's not opening door number two until you go through door number one as he shows you his will. Learning and discerning God's will is usually a process, not an event. I think the misconception sometimes is that the will of God out there is like that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And and man, if I can just find that. But oftentimes the will of God is found just in doing the day-to-day things God would have you to do and following him one step at a time. So focus on your field as his will becomes more and more clear. Then you start focusing on those more clear details in your prayer time and and you're searching the word through your time with the Lord. And and, uh, as his will becomes more clear, make that more a matter of prayer. Make sure of God's will before moving on it. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule is like an umpire that calls the ball. It's either safe or it's out. And let God rule his peace, rule in your heart to say, yes, this is the will of God, or no, this is not the will of God. And by the way, the will of God for someone else is not necessarily the will of God for you. Let him guide you directly in your steps. In Acts 16, verse number 10, the Bible says about Paul, and after he had seen the vision, immediately... We endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So he stayed focused and he never lost his vision and burden. He made sure that the Lord was in it before proceeding. 
So if you and I are going to reach the right destination, you've got to stay focused. We notice, secondly, we need to stay flexible. You've got to be focused, but also flexible. It takes that balance in your life. Paul stayed focused like a laser beam on going to people to preach the gospel to them. He never lost that that in his sights. But while he focused, he stayed flexible in the hands of the Lord. When he was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, then he flexed. He essayed to go into Bithynia. When the Spirit suffered him not, then he passed by and came down to Troas. When a vision appeared to Paul in the night, then immediately he endeavored to go into Macedonia. He, he wasn't so focused on something that if it didn't work out, he felt like he was a failure or God had forsaken. He said, well, no, God has another plan. I'm going to be flexible in the hands of the Lord. Stay flexible, first of all, to God's direction. Your lifetime of ministry is like a journey. It's going to have turns and changes. Preaching revivals for years for Pastor Chapel and and uh, Lancaster Baptist Church. I bet it n- never entered your mind, Dr. Getz, that someday you'd be the president of West Coast Baptist College. And same with Dr. R. and all those uh, years and in other institutions. And so God, God brings along changes in your life, and you've got to stay flexible to God's direction. You're, it's like a journey, and you, you know, you've got your phone, you've got Google Maps, so you input the starting point and the destination and where you hope to end up. The default starting point in Google Maps is your location. You can go with that or you can plug in another location like if you're at home, but later you're going to go from work to a restaurant, so you plug in work to the restaurant as a route. Then Google Maps fills in all the times and the distances and the turns to make. Uh, The Lord knows where you are right now. He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows your need. He knows your status in life. He knows your desire to serve him. He knows the burden that he's placed in your heart. He knows all of that information. That's your location, your starting point. And you may have a destination where you hope to end up. Allow him to fill in the times and the distances and the turns to make. You need to not only stay flexible to God's direction in your life, but on the flip side of that, you need to stay firm on the non-negotiables. Determining the will of God, it's it's in a state of flux until it's finally settled in your soul and then you pursue that in your life. But there are things that should never be in a state of flux, that should never be kind of, well, maybe. Uh, There are things you need to stay focused on, and that's the the non-negotiables. Stay firm on the non-negotiables, the fundamentals of the faith. The deity of Christ. Don't ever question that. Thank God that we have a a Savior who came and took on a body of flesh as was so beautifully sung earlier and, and came and became a man. God became a man. The deity of Christ. The miracle of the virgin birth through which that happened. The blood atonement that is so necessary for man to have his sins washed away and be redeemed into God's family. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And the inerrancy of the scriptures. Those five things, those are the fundamentals of the faith that back in the earlier part of last century, there was a big battle between the fundamentalists, as they came to be known, and the liberals. Don't, don't, list, don't read books, don't go to conferences, and don't listen to preachers who don't believe in those fundamentals of the faith. 
Uh, somebody of, of, of an independent Baptist persuasion should never get engaged with those people. Just stay separated from them. But also uh, stay firm in your calling to the gospel ministry. Don't let the devil shake that. Anchor your call in the word of God and, and, and in your personal walk with the Lord. I, I know I've, I've read the stories of men like I think it was John R. Rice said, well, I just volunteered. The Lord never turned me down, so I stayed at it. Well, that's good. I personally have a calling of God that is so clear, so distinct, I can remember it like my salvation. It was amazing. And, and I thank God for those who volunteer. But I would, I would challenge you that if you're planning on heading into ministry to ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me a passage of Scripture? Would you speak to my heart that I can, I can say this is where God spoke to me, something God gave to me to nail this down and make it permanent in my heart. Uh, be sure of it before going into the gospel ministry. I would say that be sure that that is God's will for your life. And then sometimes it'll be the only thing that'll keep you in the ministry is knowing that God has called you. That'll sometimes be the thing that keeps you going forward in ministry. I love what Moses said after the golden calf incident. Here he'd he'd, uh, finally gotten to the point where he said yes to the Lord and God had trained him and and uh, he yielded and he led Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And they, they went out, uh, out through the Red Sea and into the desert there. And then he goes up to get the Ten Commandments. Well, you talk about a mountaintop experience. You talk about the glory of the Lord. Only to come down to the golden calf experience. You talk about hitting the valley after being on top of the mountain. What a devastating, what a defeating experience that was. And that was a kind of a soul check for Moses to say, you know what? I've got to make sure this thing's going to be good to go for the rest of my life. And he got with the Lord. And here's what he said in Exodus 33 and verse 14. He said, my pre-, or the Lord said to him, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And Moses said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Boy, that, that needs to be a motto for your ministry, a motto for your life. Lord, if you're not going, I'm not going. Lord, I've got to have you with me. I've got to know that God is in it, Lord, that you're leading me in this. And so to reach the right destination, you've got to stay focused. And, and you've got to, you've got to stay uh, focused on what God would have you to do and, and to read the right, reach the right destination. You also have to stay flexible. Uh, If there's a change that takes place, make sure that change is from the Lord, not from being fickle or not from running from a problem or opposition, but knowing that God is leading you in that change. And then if we're going to reach the right destination, got to stay faithful. Got to stay faithful. Although Paul was forbidden to go a certain way, and the Spirit suffered him not to go another way, he never lost sight of his calling. Never did. He knew God had called him and he was going to fulfill the will of God for his life. He stayed faithful until he saw the vision and then he stayed faithful to answer that call to that vision. It resulted in planting the church at Philippi and then that resulted in the church at Philippi being the only supporting church he had while he planted a church in Thessalonica. You see how that paid off for him to just stay faithful to the Lord? It came back around full circle to him because he didn't lose what God had led him to do. And so uh, stay faithful in the hands of the Lord. 
no matter what comes your way. Uh, Stay faithful to the Lord himself, to him and to his word. He promised to be faithful to us, did he not? Thank God for a faithful Savior. Uh, Matthew 28, 20, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's what he told the disciples or the apostles right after giving them the Great Commission. Eleven men to change the world, to carry the message of salvation to all the known world. They knew they had to have the Lord with them, and he promised he would be with them even to the end. Hebrews 13, 5, He hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And as the Lord is so faithful to us, we likewise must stay faithful to him. There are no promises to those who get there first or fast. No promises I've found anywhere in the Bible. Most of you have heard the story or maybe seen a cartoon or or read about the tortoise and the hare, one of Aesop's fables. We understand that it's not the fast that get there, it's the faithful who get there. God's promise is to the faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Just staying faithful to the Lord. Stay faithful to your family, your wife and your kids, your husband for the ladies. Your wife is still the wife of your youth and will still be the wife of your youth all the days of your life. Always treat her that way. Always put her before the other ladies in the church. Your church needs to see that she is special to you. You can get another ministry, but you can't get another wife. Stay faithful to your family. Your kids, they only grow up once. Enjoy every stage of life when they're born. What a thrill. When they're little toddlers toddling around the house. What a blessing. When they're uh, children in, in elementary school, enjoy those school years. When they're teenagers in the youth group, and as they approach adulthood and then enter into marriage, enjoy every stage of life of your children. Let them know how special they are to you. And love them, and don't let the pressures of life and ministry cause you to neglect them. Such a danger, such a common thing. Be careful. And then stay faithful to your convictions. Thank God that I don't have to worry about West Coast and their position on the Bible. I know where they are. I know where they're going to be. I know where they're going to stay. Thank God for that. I trust that you know that you've got not only the inspired, not only the infallible, but the preserved Word of God in your King James Bible. And that's a position, that's a conviction that I have. I thank God for my background that gave that to me and some studying I've done on my own. I know the, I know the issues. It's, uh, you've got to learn the, why you believe what you believe and don't just do it because the preacher said it. That's good for starters, but not for Bible college graduates and preachers and pastors. You need to know what you believe. You need to know why you believe it. Study those things and, and stay faithful to your convictions on the Bible. When I went to the Northwest 31 years ago, there were far fewer churches than there are now. And I'm telling you, it was lonely. It was lonely. There was a lot of pressure to conform to a lot of the things going on out there. And I thank God. And and honestly, to be honest in my heart, sometimes I kind of, I didn't waffle, but the temptation was there. I thought, man, am I some kind of crazy guy, some kind of kook? I'm the only guy in town. I'm the only guy in the county. And I I don't know many other preachers that believe this. Even the other independent Baptists, I'm not sure where they stand on it. And, uh, and you're going to face those pressures and those temptations. So you've got to be anchored in your conviction about the Word of God, about being a Baptist. 
Oh, listen, I hope that you're a Baptist by conviction. I, I was not Baptist born. I, I grew up in the Catholic Church. I wasn't saved till age 19. But thank God I got saved and got grounded in the Word. I wasn't Baptist born, but I am Baptist bred. And when I die, I will be Baptist dead. Now, I hope you feel that way about it as well. We need folks who believe in those convictions of standing because Baptist doctrine is Bible doctrine. And so know what you are and why. And then also being independent. Um, it concerns me. Too many uh, uh, younger preachers now have not seen the battles of years gone by. And so they don't understand why we're not just another conventional Baptist, why, why we're not in this big conglomeration, how you can get so much more done by being in this big denominational machine. Yeah, and that's where they lost their convictions and they lost their standards and they lost a whole lot of things by joining together and it became more important to be unified with the brethren than it was to be unified with God. Keep your independence. And, and by the way, there's about 15,000 or so independent Baptist countries around the country or churches around the country, uh, you can affiliate with them in fellowship. Uh, Brother Fountain and I, we have all kinds of Baptist preacher friends all over the Northwest and, and the state, and we do things together and all, but you're still an independent congregation, which is the highest level of authority you find in the Word of God, in the book of Acts. And so don't get caught up in, in going back into a denominational setting. And, the, and then maintain your convictions. Uh, stay faithful to your convictions on separation. Ecclesiastical, meaning uh, church and organization. Don't allow your church to yoke up with other churches that don't stand firm on the truths that you believe. Uh, too much uh, unity is emphasized by forsaking truth. Truth is the highest, the highest loyalty we have above unity. And then a personal separation, just staying separated from the world and teaching and preaching and modeling that for your people, not getting engaged in the practices of the world. Stay faithful to your convictions on soul winning. I thank God that after all these years at Lancaster Baptist Church, the main thing is still the main thing. Thank God for that. And you get that taught here. You have it modeled here. You're required to participate. But go do that on your own once you're in ministry. Stay faithful. Keep that conviction of being a soul winner. And then stay faithful to your calling. The calling to preach. I believe the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Romans eleven twenty nine, and, and the call to preach is a lifetime call. It's not something like, well, if it works out, okay. And if not, I'll just go sell cars or something. No, get that embedded in your soul. The conviction that God has called you. And you're going to stay faithful to that call to preach. Uh, that, that calling to serve. What a privilege it is to be a servant. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, above all. He was a servant. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister to others and give his life a ransom for many. What a servant he was. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're called to a lifetime of service. And then stay faithful to your calling, to your ministry. Whatever God gives you, God gives you a church, you stay faithful to that church. You invest your life in that church. And once again, you're going to have a lot of opportunities, which do not equal obligations. You're going to have a lot of temptations to dabble here and spend time there and, and go here. I know some preachers, all they do is travel all the time. They're pastors of churches, but they, everybody else around the country sees them more than their own church. 
And, and there are men uh, that God has used, and, and, and there's more demands for them to come. But thank God they keep their convictions to lead their church and be engaged with their own uh, church family. Stay faithful to your calling. My wife and I uh, celebrated 31 years at Temple Baptist Church this past summer. We're now at 31 and a half years. And, and I just tell you that to tell you this. It was after 28 and a half years that God allowed us to get in a new building. What if I left it 27 years? We wouldn't have that new building that God has blessed us with and is now filling up one soul at a time. After 31 years, we just recently hired our second staff guy and have a new dynamic of three of us on staff now. What if I just left last year? I'd have never had that experience and known that. Got long-term friends in the Northwest. Brother Adams, 36 years. Brother Smith, 22 years. Brother Tav Shaver, 18 years. Greg Boyle, 36 years. John Paisley, over 50 years. What a blessing to be in long-term ministry and see what God does by staying faithful to that calling. Just last week, I said the memorial service for Don Stone, 60 years in gospel ministry. Age 80. Diagnosed with cancer in a year it took him out. But how I thank God for the couple of years I knew him. And when they were home off the field, they were there in our church. What a blessing to get around those old faithful men of God, those old mentors of the faith, generals of the faith who just knew what it was to put their head down and put their hands on the plow and just stay plowing the field God gave them. So if we're going to reach our right destination, wherever that may be, hopefully some of you will be the Northwest. Wherever that may be, stay focused like a laser beam. Don't lose focus. Stay flexible in the Lord's hands so when he nudges you this way or this way, then you'll know that that's God leading you. And stay faithful to the Lord and your family and your convictions and your calling. Lord willing, tomorrow I'm going to... Kind of spin off of this message and just kind of give my story. I think sometimes it's it's good for students to hear uh, the stories of others, how God led them. Not not for the sake of comparing, but I think sometimes and trying. If you're in that seeking mode, Lord, what do you want me to do? Sometimes we get some kind of wonky ideas and like this this one thing, and boy, I'm going to find it. It's going to be and not necessarily so. Sometimes it's a step at a time, a step at a time. Uh, one change and one turn and one move here and then you get to where the Lord wants you to be and I hope that uh, you'll consider coming there's a great need tremendous need uh, this morning Brother Fountain and I were over at the uh, the coffee shop for two hours we decided hmm revels coffee shop revels coffee shop and being from the northwest the home of Starbucks we settled for the coffee shop praise God Smells better over there. Tastes better over there. We're going to do that tomorrow morning? Okay, so tomorrow morning, 8 till 10. Be glad to meet you, answer any questions, try to help you, anything. Uh, There is a great desire by preachers in the Northwest to plant churches. As you saw, Brother Sanders, great man, great strong church there. Brother Brother Fountain, myself, and and, uh, probably a dozen or more other preachers that are just kind of there waiting. Uh, we're going to help guys with a startup fund. We're going to send people to help knock on doors. We're going to help do everything that needs to be done. And we want to help you do that. So I hope you'll consider coming to the Northwest. The need is great. My county uh, is, we're in the capital city. 
uh, of the state of Washington, uh, 258 million or, or thousand people, excuse me, <laughs> a quarter of a million people of five independent Baptist churches totaling less than 500 any given Sunday morning. 500 for a quarter of a million. We can use a few more churches. And so we need your help. Hope you'll pray about coming. 